from analog. Hi Jim, you've uh, created signal up here, you're five times plus. Digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is the CQ Blind Pam's Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Greetings and welcome to the CQ Blind Hams Tech Zoom. This is the uh, off-air version of uh, discussions of topics that are of interest to the blind amateur radio community and, of course, with the blindness perspective. So uh, we meet every month, uh, second Thursday of the month, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. So for those who... Uh, are here and don't know these meetings are recorded and they become the next CQ Blind Hams podcast. So be aware that when you're speaking, if for whatever reason you're not comfortable being on CQ Blind Hams podcast, well, then I guess you want to stay muted for the duration. But we hope you don't because we love to hear from everybody. So uh, welcome. Um, um, you're, you may be confronted with a pop-up that says that the meeting is being recorded. You have to hit got it. Uh, to be able to access your meeting controls. Otherwise, that pop-up is going to stay on your screen, and then you will not be able to unmute yourself and participate. So anybody at this point who is not presenting or uh, is, is not a co-host here, we ask you to stay muted and remain so until the times of the meeting that we open it up for comments and questions and the like. And please wait to be acknowledged before speaking. We don't want to try to talk over each other or get like sometimes we get on blind hams, which makes it hard to copy. So let, let's try to just be polite and uh, you know not step over each other and uh, things will go a lot smoother. So without further ado, uh, here for October's Tech Zoom, uh, we're going to go and uh, introduce our normal co-hosts and crew. Joel, W0CAS, what's happening? Welcome everybody to the, uh, this is a little bit off topic for us, but the uh, meeting tonight is going to be about a, a weather station, which is not actually ham related, but the most talked about topic in amateur radio is what? The weather. So this is one of the reasons we brought this topic to the meeting tonight. Back to you, Julie. Yeah, I was just about to say, I beg to differ. What's one of the first questions that's usually asked, especially when making long distance contacts. <laughs> what is the weather? So I would say this is absolutely related to ham radio because it, it relates to the, one of the most asked about topics. Uh, Robert, NC5R, are you with us? What's happening in Texas? Oh boy, there's a lot happening in Texas. We're getting ready to temporarily move out of our house and I wish I had a weather station because I don't, not, never sure if the coast is clear around here with all these boxes. Back to you, <laughs> Julian. Good evening, everybody. Well, uh, I, somehow I don't think the Tempest Weather Station has that capability yet, but hey, we could always uh, make suggestions to the developers. Steve, WB2KTV, what's happening in old New York? Not too much. Uh, just uh, hanging out. Weather is always a concern in the amateur radio business. Some of us like terrestrial weather, and some of us like space weather, but you can't live with it, you can't live without it. Absolutely true, especially the sun and the sunspots and the cycles and all that. So it is all interconnected, that is for sure. And then we've got Angelo uh, back there somewhere playing with the keyboard and uh, keeping things running in the background. Uh, care to say anything? 
And if not, we'll just say thank you as always for doing what you do in the background and keeping this thing going. And last but not least, uh, myself, Julian Vargas, N1CA from Southern California, where the weather is quite nice today. I think we only got up to the lower 80s today of that and lows in the 60s. So we're absolutely having stellar weather down here. And I am a weather enthusiast, so I always love when this topic or any form of it comes up for discussion. So I will certainly be listening with a lot of interest. Um, and just a brief mention here for anybody who's uh, been living under a rock and hasn't heard yet. There's an app for the iPhone called Repeater Phone, and it allows you to connect to AllStar. Very similar to what DV Switch Mobile uh, provided on Android. Now we have it on iOS. and we uh, have the ability to connect to the all-star network without necessarily having to have a physical node. We can connect via the web transceive mode. I'm sure someday it'll probably be up for discussion as one of our meeting topics, but just thought I'd put it out there. If you heard some of us talking about it on the air, beta testing it and such, this app is now available and it works quite well. It's a really neat app. So the real topic for tonight's meeting, as Joel said, the Tempest Weather Station. Very cool and powerful little weather station. I hear Mark and some of these guys talk about it, and I'm just uh, utterly jealous. Wish I could set something like that up where I live. But alas, I can't, but I get to enjoy it vicariously through the reports that are generated by that station and mentioned on the air. So our guest speaker for tonight, Alan, KF0FUL, is going to talk to us uh, about all the capabilities of this wonderful station. And then Mark, uh, WB6BJN is going to talk to us about uh, the, this weather station, how he as a blind person set it up, and how accessible it is. So without further ado, Alan, are you with us? I'm with you. Uh, thank you for the great intro, Julian. Uh, before we get started here, uh, I would like to, to re-remind everyone, as Julian said earlier, uh, let's try and hold the uh, questions to the to the very end here. I've got a fair amount of material to get through, and, and the real uh, key point of this uh, is, is to get to the point to where Mark can sort of share what his experiences are uh, in the setup and the use of this uh, for accessibility. Uh, so uh, before we get going, though, how did we get here? Why am I here talking to you guys? Uh, and uh, Really, uh, I think it was back in July. Uh, I tend to uh, to walk around uh, each morning uh, before I uh, go to work or before I get my work started, and I listen to the various repeaters around town. Uh, we've got a repeater, uh, a VFW repeater that's hooked up to the uh, to an all-star node, a blind hands all-star node, and uh, I heard a conversation going on, and Mark and a number of others were talking about weather stations. Mark was getting ready to purchase a weather station, and he. He was pretty excited about this, and uh, I, uh, I I said uh, I, I chimed in, and I don't normally I'd normally just listen. I don't get involved, uh, but I said, hey, uh, why don't you look at this Tempest Weather Station? I've had one for a couple of years. I think it's really great. I think it may have some accessible features for you, and that's where this whole thing started. Uh, Mark ended up purchasing one, and then several others, and then I think that at last count, at least ten of the folks on Blind Hands have purchased one. And in fact, uh, one person here uh, where I live in Wichita, Kansas, uh, overheard some of these conversations over the air, and he purchased one. And, and that guy told me about a month ago uh, that he had bought one just based on his uh, listening to all of the discussion. So it's really been interesting. Uh, you know, we we talk now. I've uh, you know been on for a few months and uh, talking to the various folks. Wonderful group of people you all are. 
and uh, uh, it's just kind of been fun. I've been getting a lot of questions about the Tempest since I've had one for a few years, and I was asked last week, could I give a talk on it? And I said, well, absolutely I can. And so that has what has brought me here to you all tonight. So um, without further ado, I'm going to stop sharing my video for the people who can see me. And I'm going to share my presentation and we'll get, we'll get rolling here. We're gonna keep this uh, pretty informal. Uh, let's see, let me share my screen. And there we go, okay. And I'm showing on my monitor that I'm sharing there. Okay, so we'll keep it informal. Uh, I'll, I'll run through everything. I've got some examples. I'm going to try my best to describe what I'm showing in some of these slides. Most of them are textual, but I do have uh, some visual aids in here and I'm gonna try and describe them the best we can. And then we're gonna let Mark kind of give his perspective towards the end here. Okay, so let's, let's uh, start this thing off here. Uh, let's, uh, but first we'll talk about my, my, probably my favorite topic, me. Who is KF0FUL? A little bit about me personally and professionally. I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, now living in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I have a, a, a Bachelor of Science degree in Aeronautical Engineering from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University back in the mid-1980s. Uh, I've been a commercial pilot for 39 years and worked in the the uh, flight test industry for over 35 years at a number of companies. Presently, I am a flight test engineer at Bombardier Flight Test Center here in Wichita, Kansas, and I've been located here for 27 years. And for people who don't have never heard of Bombardier as an aircraft manufacturer, uh, they own a little company you might have heard of called Learjet, and that is where I've worked for the past 27 years. Uh, my work involves aircraft development and certification flight tests for, and I, over my career, I've done many different military and civilian mo aircraft models. Not gonna go into them for the, for the sighted folks. I've got a list of oh, many of them on here, but uh, suffice it to say, I've worked on a lot of different programs, 35 years, you know, you get to work on lots of different things. Um, amateur radio wise, so what, what, what makes me, uh, you know, worthy of, of talking to all of you? Well, uh, I started working on my novice license back in the late 1970s, uh, but then at some point I got started also working on my pilot's license. And I figured out pretty quickly that I could get just about enough radio by flying aircraft and that satisfied me at least temporarily. So I put the novice license on hold at that time. 40 years, over 40 years later, I became interested again uh, in ham radio. Uh, and I, what caused it was last year, 2021, I purchased one of these RTL-STR dongles for about $35. Started listening to some VHF and some HF broadcast, built myself an antenna, and lo and behold, I was, I was, uh, I was hooked again. Uh, so took my, uh, my, uh, technician uh, practice test to see uh, you know what what that was all about and I passed the test on the first try without looking at any of the material two weeks later I was a technician licensed and four months after that I had my uh, general and then a week after that my amateur extra and I uh, as an engineer and a, a technology enthusiast uh, I tend to, to dive into things so that's what I've been doing for the last year and a half. Absolutely loved it, love, love it all. Uh, and that's a whole other topic. So that little, that's just a little bit of background about me. Okay, one more note before we continue. I do not work for Weatherflow, uh, which is the maker of the Tempest. And I did purchase my weather station with my own money. 
I just want to get that out of there. I'm not trying. This is not an advertisement. I'm just an enthusiast of this particular device. Okay, so let's see. What are we going to talk about tonight? Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Weatherflow Tempest Weather Station, what it is, what it isn't, what does it cost? Uh, what makes this station so popular? We'll look, take a look at the hardware, the setup, and uh, different ways of accessing the data. So we'll look at the Tempest uh, website and the Android and iOS applications for the for the date weather station. And then we'll look at a few other options for accessing the data. There's something that's called Pi Console that you can use uh, to set up a dedicated console type display if that's what you choose to do. Another application called WeWeather is a database for storing and manipulating the weather data. And WeWeather, by the way, actually uh, can be used with a number of uh, different uh, weather stations, not just the Tempest. Uh, and then there's another one. Uh, there's a web page called Weather 34 that a gentleman, I believe he's in the UK, developed. Uh, there's a number of people that have worked on it, and that allows you to display data out of the WeWeather database in a much more refined way. Uh, all of that data that's captured by the WeWeather database if you choose to use that. Finally, we'll, we'll talk about the accessibility options, how to purchase the device, and help and resources that you can get if you want to deep dive further on down, or uh, if you do have purchased one, uh, some great areas uh, for help and resources on some of these items that we talked about. And then finally, and probably the most important portion of the talk tonight, this will be Mark, uh, WB6BJN. He's going to give us a chat about what, what it was like for him to do the installation and then the accessibility experience and how he's been using that device every day. I think you'll find it quite eye-opening. And then we'll have Q&A at the very end. Moving on. Okay, so let's start off with the Tempest, what it is. Well, the Tempest is a, what I would call a prosumer internet-connected weather station with many of the features that you would find in a professional weather station, uh, like the Davis Vantage Pro 2. And that probably is the, the quintessential sort of prosumer device that's out there uh, that a lot of people purchase. The difference here, though, is the Tempest is much cheaper. It's easier to set up. It's easier to use. Uh, the historical data from the Tempest is stored on Weatherflow's data server for access anytime Station data can be made accessible to other weather sites like Weather Underground, for instance, as well as others. So it has a lot of prosumer features. What the weather station is, and it is not a professional weather station. It does not, it also does not include a companion display unit, which a lot of the professional stations do. Uh, but there are options. Uh, if, if you want a dedicated uh, display unit, there's some options for those who would like a dedicated display. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. What does it cost? Well, as of October 2022, uh, it costs $329. Uh, there is, I believe right now, for anybody interested, there is a coupon code out there uh, that is available. I don't know how long it is, but as of last week, there was a coupon code that you could, uh, you could choose, and I think it was 10% off. Moving on, okay. Well, what, what is it that makes this station uh, so popular? Well, when you look at the price compared to other stations offering similar features, the Davis Vantage Pro 2, for instance, if you wanted to deck it out to where you could uh, both capture the data and then put it out on the internet, you're probably looking at $800, $1,000, maybe more by the time you buy all the connectivity. Um, 
Secondly, ease, ease of setup and use. Uh, it's just very easy to use, and you'll hear a little bit more about that from Mark a little bit later, just how easy this, this uh, device is to set up and use. Uh, another great selling point is uh, this device, uh, unlike a lot of the other weather stations you might have seen or heard about, has an ultrasonic wind sensor with no moving parts to wear out. Uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of a nice feature. Uh, the data off of it can be accessed from any web browser with an internet connection, uh, and you can get detailed time history plots of each parameter that it records and a history as well. Uh, also, uh, Android and iOS applications are available uh, that run on your phone, they run on an iPad, a, a tablet, what have you. They're really good apps. Um, and it's probably worth it to mention at this point that, that the applications that you can use with this, uh, with this system, if you choose to access the data from a web browser, you get the almost identical experience with the, you know, maybe with, with the exception of being able to set things up. But all of the data pages, all of the, the time history plots, all of that are available to you exa in exactly the same format as, as well on a web browser, any web browser uh, that's internet connected. And then accessibility features uh, make this an excellent choice for the visually impaired. Uh, also, there's a lot of open source options uh, for further use of the weather data, and we'll talk about a few of them, but there are way more than I could ever talk about in a, in a short time that we're here this evening. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the hardware. The sensor is a wireless, simple-to-mount sensor pack housing all of the sensors and the battery, and it's solar charged. Uh, due to this fact, it's extremely low maintenance. And uh, just a note, uh, you should place it or try to place it as best you can in an area that has around at least four hours of sunlight per day. If you can do that, then it'll pretty much uh, stay charged up uh, forever. Uh, I think the last time I touched mine, mine's been up for two years. I took it down once or twice, but it's been up over a year and I haven't touched it. It just works. It charges itself up every, up every day. It can run a couple of weeks on a charge if you were to have cloudy days or, or a snowstorm or whatnot. So it works very well. And then I think, as I mentioned before, it's got that ultrasonic wind sensor with no moving parts to wear out. Uh, the other piece of hardware that comes with the system is the hub. The hub is wirelessly connected to the sensor pack via a proprietary radio link that works on 915 megahertz. It has a, an approximate 1,000 foot or 300 meter line of sight range. So you just got to place that hub somewhere where, with it, where it is within about 1,000 feet or less uh, of, the, of the actual station itself. And then you connect the hub to home Wi-Fi or any Wi-Fi source for that matter, it doesn't have to be a home Wi-Fi or terrestrial. And then the hub basically collects all the parameters over that proprietary data link and it relays them through the internet for storage on Weatherflow's data server. Once it's on the data server, it can be accessed by the user and, and uh, shared with other services if desired. Uh, however, I'd, I'd point out that the user can choose to keep the data private if that's what they wish to do. But if you want to share share it with other people, which you can do, or potentially maybe share with another service like Weather Underground, you have to go into the settings and then uh, share them publicly. Fully settable. Um, so here's my first graphic. So I have a I'm showing a graphic right now. It's it's sort of a, a photograph of the Tempest. 
uh, that shows uh, basically that it is a sort of a cylindrically shaped uh, device, um, you know, with uh, toward the top is where there's a haptic sensor uh, that uh, collects rain data. It can it can uh, collect a rain onset duration and intensity, uh, as well as accumulation uh, by integrating uh, the number of uh, of uh, raindrops that strike the upper surface. Uh, the sonic wind sensor is in the upper portion of the cylindrical unit. Uh, there's also a light sensor uh, that measures, basically it measures one parameter, but it breaks that parameter out into the ambient light level, the UV index and the solar radiation number. Uh, there's a pressure sensor on board uh, that breaks the uh, pressure into uh, raw station pressure as well as sea level adjusted pressure. Uh, and you can, uh, in the settings, actually set the height of the device uh, if it's higher than ground level uh, to uh, make sure that that parameter is more accurate. Uh, temperature and humidity are measured and broken out into various things. Uh, and then uh, one of the probably more interesting and exotic uh, parts of the sensor is uh, the lightning sensor. So it does have a lightning sensor on board uh, that's able to sense the lightning data out to 40 kilometers. That would be uh, 25 uh, miles uh, for us uh, folks that like to use the uh, British units. And that's sort of uh, sort of the tempest. Um, on my net, I'm going to switch pages to my next page here, and I'll walk through some of this. So I've got a page of specifications, and I'm not going to go through everything on here. Suffice it to say, uh, I'll I'll walk through the through the the uh, sensors one more time. Uh, but this particular page has uh, the range of each parameter, the sampling interval, which I will actually talk about, the accuracy and the resolution. Uh, the, the accuracy and resolution of these uh, sensors are very similar to the to the resolution and that you would find on something like a Davis Advantage Pro 2. So uh, again, I'll just quickly walk through them. Uh, we have air temperature, which is sampled once a minute, uh, relative humidity uh, sampled also once a minute, barometric pressure sampled once a minute. Most of the most of the parameters are sampled at, at that rate. Uh, the lightning activity is is event based, so if there is lightning, it'll sample what it needs, uh, but it doesn't constantly sample, and that's to uh, sort of to save power. Uh, the wind speed and the wind direction, however, are sampled at three seconds, uh, which is really nice. So if you have a display up or you're or you're watching the uh, the data stream on either the application or the web page, uh, you will see the the wind speed and and direction update every three seconds. Um, ambient light is measured at, at uh, once per minute. The uh, the UV index and the solar radiation again, those are all derived from the ambient light sensor, and they're you know also once per minute. Uh, and then the uh, rain rate, rain accumulation, rain duration, and, and rain intensity are also each measured once per minute. Uh, and then the the rain start is derived from that data, and it is event based. Um, with all of these uh, individual sensors, uh, you can actually drive a number of parameters. So there's a number of drive parameters that also are available, and I'll just list them really quickly. Uh, dew point, temperature, the pressure trend uh, that you would normally see uh, you know, for barrel pressure. Is it rising? Is it steady? Is it falling? Uh, heat index, temperature, wind chill, delta T, uh, which is the difference between the temperature and dew point. Uh, neighborhood rain accumulation, air density, uh, the feels like uh, temperature, uh, vapor pressure, sea level pressure, wet wet bulb uh, temperature, and the wet bulb globe temperature. So those are all derived parameters that basically, if you have the right equation, you can uh, 
you can derive them from the basic uh, sensors. Uh, moving on down, okay, let's talk a little bit about the setup. Setup, the sensor can be easily mounted on a one inch nominal diameter, either a, what most folks use is a piece of PVC pipe or fence top rail one inch. Uh, and you can readily attain those uh, at uh, a local hardware store, uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, places like that, Ace Hardware. Also, uh, if you don't want to do that, uh, the device does come with a separate mount and you can mount it directly to a flat surface, uh, such as say, you know, the top of a wooden fence post or something like that. But you, it, you get the hardware to either mount it on the one inch uh, diameter uh, pipe section or uh, you screw it into the top of a flat surface. So either way, but they provide you both of those with the kit. The hub should be connected to the home Wi-Fi system or any Wi-Fi that's connected to the internet. Setup typically takes less than 10 minutes uh, to accomplish using either the free Android or iOS application. And that's probably worth mentioning. Uh, while you don't have to use the, the uh, applications to view the data, you do have to have them to initially set up the device. Uh, so you're either gonna need a phone or a tablet that can run iOS or iPadOS just for that initial setup. And however, I would say that, uh, you know, I use the app as my daily driver as well on my, on my Android phone and it works great. Um, so that's a little bit about the setup. Uh, moving on down, I've got some photos here uh, of, of my particular setup. I'll try and describe them as best I can. So my setup, I've got a five feet of one inch diameter PVC pipe, uh, and I've got a couple of one inch pipe straps. And uh, for those who can actually see my presentation, I've got kind of an inset drawing here where you can see the, uh, the uh, pipe straps connected. They're basically out on my deck in my, in my backyard right off the kitchen. And uh, uh, they're just connected to the four by four post uh, that's part of my, uh, my uh, elevated deck. I also have a photograph uh, in the top right of this slide uh, that looks at the bird to turn accessory. So, and this will be interesting to hear if, so I know a number of you uh, have Tempest already. I wonder if you knew about the bird to turn accessory. One of the things that happened uh, when this uh, device first came out uh, that was kind of a little bit of a laugh for us all was, uh, you know how birds are, they tend to perch on things. Well, when a bird perches on top of a tempest, that happens to be where the uh, haptic sensor is. So when the bird does his little rain dance on top of your, uh, on top of your tempest, it, it registers that there's rain and it will actually correct this, but uh, that can be kind of annoying. So they created this bird to turn accessory and the best way I can describe it is, it's like a crown of thorns. It basically is a, is a rubber band device and it has a, oh, they're three or four inch high spikes that kind of tilt inward towards the center of the device and it deters birds from landing on there. Uh, and it actually works pretty well. Uh, so I purchased that, I think they're less than $10. Uh, so that's about a little bit about how mine's set up. There are a ton of different ways to do this. Uh, mine isn't the only way. Uh, in fact, I would say mine may not be the best way because when the wind blows, my five foot section of PVC pipe tends to move around a little bit. And sometimes that confuses the, the tempest into thinking that it's raining, it trips the haptic sensor. So if I were to, uh, if somebody wanted to, to have a suggestion, I would say buy a piece of, uh, of steel or aluminum top rail, uh, which is gonna be much stiffer and, uh, and utilize that and they don't cost very much at all. Uh, okay. 
so let's talk a little bit about you got the station, you got it up, how are you going to access the data? Well, um, I have a graphic that I'm showing now of the Tempest website forecast page. So the Tempest, if either you use the app or you use the uh, uh, the web page, usually it'll come up on the forecast page. So basically what Weatherflow does is Weatherflow takes the data from your weather station and it bakes it through some of their algorithms and they produce a forecast, you know, just for you. And so uh, this particular forecast tells me the uh, uh, the temperature, the current temperature, uh, the sky condition. Uh, this particular one I'm showing says partly cloudy. It shows the a small inset of the wind direction and speed, relative humidity, barometric pressure. It has the feels like temperature and the UV uh, reading as well. And then it has a uh, for today. It shows, uh, you know, sort of a, almost a weather underground style uh, that shows each hour what the temperature, humidity, or temperature, uh, precipitation percent, uh, potential, and the wind direction and speed are. And then uh, down below that, it goes out for six or seven days. So that's that. Uh, up in the upper right-hand corner of this display is a little icon that looks like the Tempest sensor itself. And if you, I, I can't click it here, but if you click that icon in the web page, it takes you to a different display, which I'm going to show next, which is this one. And this is the uh, sensor data display. And basically the sensor data display gives you each parameter uh, that, that uh, the Tempest records and tells you what it is. So this particular one has the temperature at the top of the page. In a, in a sort of a horizontal bar type format. Uh, so it, it, it's got, uh, this particular one says it's 74.7 degrees Fahrenheit. And then over to the right, it tells you the dew point and the humidity. And up in the upper, upper right corner of that, there's a number in, in, in this uh, particular one says 48 minutes ago. So this particular one, I think the, uh, the display had gone stale and it's kind of nice because it tells you that. Uh, normally, when you have it running, uh, it'll just constantly update forever and ever. But once I'm, my internet might have dropped out, so it actually warned me that, hey, this is not current data. This was 40, 48 minutes ago data. Uh, then next down uh, the the display, there's another horizontal bar with the barometric pressure, um, and then the trend. Uh, this particular one says 30.152 inches of mercury and falling. Uh, the next one down has the wind direction and speed. Uh, so over on the far left corner, there's sort of a, a, a compass rose with a number in it uh, and a little arrow around the outside of the compass rose. That is the three-second wind reading. And so that little arrow will slide around to whatever the direction the wind is from and change every three seconds. And the number will be the wind speed. In my particular case, it's reading 1.8 miles per hour. And it looks like uh, from the uh, west-northwest is the direction. Then to the right of that, uh, there's another couple of numbers and it has the, uh, uh, well, on my display, two, 272 degrees at 1.3 miles per hour. That next number is basically the one minute average. So it takes in, it averages one minute of those three second readings and then it displays that there. So if you don't wanna sit there and stare at the, at the constantly updating three second display, you can just take a quick glance and know that the average wind in the last one minute was 272 degrees at 1.3. Over to the right, it gives you the gust factor. And in this particular case, I'm showing one to two knots uh, uh, 
gust wind speed. Below that is the uh, the lightning uh, data. Uh, so it shows you if lightning is happening right now uh, by the color of there's a little lightning bolt there. And then it tells you the time, how long it's been since lightning was last detected in my example, 10 days ago. And then what the distance and uh, uh, that last lightning strike was in this case, it says the distance was between six to eight miles away. And then it has a reading of the, the number of lightning strikes in the last three hours. And, and that particular one in my example says zero. Of course, that was because the last lightning was, was 10 days ago. Um, then the next line below that is the rain sensor. Uh, it'll tell you if it's raining, how hard it's raining, how much it's rained. And then over to the right side, it gives you the today rain number and the yesterday rain number in whatever units you've chosen. In my particular case, I have it in inches. Uh, and since it's been a, a while, uh, in my example, my range says 0.00 yesterday and 0.00 inches today. Below that is the uh, uh, the bright or the light sensor, uh, which tells you if it's uh, daytime or nighttime. It gives you the UV reading uh, per the normal UV scale. In my example, the UV reading is 1.8. And then it has a brightness and a solar radiation number. Again, all of those three numbers are derived from the one sensor. So in my particular case, the brightness, which is measured in lux, is 24,995. I can tell you by experience that means it's daytime. And then the solar radiation is 208. Uh, oh, what is the W? It's watts per square meter. Uh, so again, all those three numbers come from the same sensor. And then uh, my particular example, I show the voltage of the of the weather display. Uh, that is not default, but you can set it to come on if you want that on your display. And my particular one is 2.75 volts. And I can tell you from experience, normally uh, the highest it ever gets is 2.77. Goes up in the day, and then when the sun goes down, it goes down a few you know tenths, and then it goes up and down. But uh, you can look at that. And then it has a state setting. In my particular example, it says the battery state is good. And at the very bottom, oops, at the very bottom of display, uh, it has a, a, a three-day or maybe it's a four-day, uh, you know, quick uh, forecast uh, that, that it displays as well. So that's the uh, Tempest website. Now, one of the neat things that you can do with the Tempest um, is uh, any of those uh, horizontal uh, data representations that are on the sensor page. If you click any one of them, you will uh, select that particular parameter. And I have switched over to what, what display you get when you click one of them. You get a time history plot of that parameter. Uh, and so in this particular case, I, I have an example of what the temperature time history looks like. And so on the so it has a, a graph, uh, the, the y-axis or the left-hand axis is temperature in degrees and then the lower axis is time. You can adjust the time scale with there's a plus and minus button on here and you can drill down to you know within maybe an hour or a half hour you can go out to all the data that you have which could be months or years and then you can scroll back and forth and if you uh, select any point on this map you can see the individual data points it will display exactly what point you have selected. So in my particular example uh, you can see that there is a, a vertical uh, sort of amber bar over to the left side of the graph. And then the numbers up at the top are telling you that this sample occurred on the 9th 
of October of this year at 1.55 p.m. And at that time, the temperature was 72.7 degrees Fahrenheit and the dew point was 56.1. So um, basically that's how that works. And any of the, any of the uh, parameters on the, uh, on the sensor data display can be clicked and produce a similar chart, which is really nice. Um, Let's see, moving on to the next page, there's also a station map. So I've got an example I'm showing of the station map that shows all the Tempest uh, stations around the Wichita local area, which is where I live. And then you can actually see this one that's in white for the people who are sighted. This is actually my station up here. We live near a little town called Mays. That's uh, in the northwest corner of town. Uh, but uh, this map can be zoomed in and out. And boy, if you zoom it out, it just gets full of full of stations. But any of these stations you can click and see. And, and anybody who would like to go and look at some Tempest data, all you need to do is do a Google search on Tempest weather uh, map. And uh, it will it'll direct you to one of these pages. And you can uh, go ahead and look at uh, maybe look at some Tempest stations around your local area. Or if you remember where Wichita is, you can actually go and look at my station data. My station name is Hampton Lakes, Mays, Kansas. And then also you actually get some bonus parameters, which I'm not going to go through on the on the map data page as well. Moving on down, uh, further on the Tempest uh, apps or the website, there is a station history button that you can select. And I should have said uh, up at the top of the app or the bottom, depending upon if it's running on your phone or your computer, you have you can select all of these different things. So right now we're on the station history. Uh, there's an icon at the top of the page for that. There's an icon for the map, and then there's an icon for the weather, uh, which go back to all of those displays that I had shown. And then if you're in the application, there's actually a, a settings over a, a icon as well that you can get into to set your your settings if you need to. Uh, the, the history page is quite nice. Um, you can select uh, history by day, week, month, year, or all the data. It's called all time, which is all the data that your station has ever collected. In my particular example, I have year selected and I've got 2022. Uh, so I can see, I'm not going to go through all the parameters, but basically it lists all the parameters that the sensor can read and then it gives you, uh, you know, for whatever you have selected. So in my case, all of 2022's data, my air temperature, the minimum was on the 23rd or the 23rd of February, it looks like, 2.1 degrees Fahrenheit. My maximum was last July on the 19th of July, 107.8 degrees. Yeah, it was a real scorcher that day. And then the average temperature for the for the year of 2022 thus far is 62.1. And again, all of those parameters uh, aggregate down to depending upon what you've selected there. Okay, so that's a little bit about, that's sort of the user experience that you would have, notwithstanding what Mark's going to talk about for the applications, and that's what you get for the price of admission. Uh, you don't have to pay any extra fees once you buy the sensor. Uh, you get all of that for free. They host the data for free. It doesn't cost you anything. Okay, let's talk about the applications. So there are Android and iOS applications, both. Um, they can be downloaded on Google Play or the App Store if you're an Apple type type individual. Uh, they are both free applications. And uh, however, I think I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. You need at least one of these apps uh, to complete the initial setup of the device. 
Once the setup is complete, the data can be accessed through any net connected uh, web browser or the application. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other options for accessing the data, right? You got, it's pretty feature rich set of, uh, uh, of data access just with what the Tempest uh, gives you out of the box. But some people uh, like us engineers, we, we need more. We gotta have more, more power. So we'll talk about this first one, which is called Pi Console. Uh, this is an app that runs on the, on a Raspberry Pi. In fact, I think Pi Console will probably run on just about any version of Linux. Uh, but most people run this on a Raspberry Pi and it's a free open source app and it's designed to be used for a dedicated display. One of the things that the Tempest doesn't come with is a dedicated display. Some people have made a lot of that. Uh, some people have suggested maybe uh, Weatherflow should create one and they talked about it. I don't know if they're still thinking about that or not, but there are a number of ways you can do it. And this is an easy one. So uh, basically uh, I have a, an example of the display and it's basically aggregating all the data plus a little bit more uh, from the sensors there. And uh, what I'll do at the end here is I'll do a little live demonstration of looking at the data right off of mine. But, if you can see, um, I'm not, it's, it's a little bit busy to describe in detail, but if you can imagine uh, sort of a, a rectangular display that can be sized by the way, and it has uh, different blocks. And one, blocks, uh, one block is the forecast data, uh, which pulls your current temperature and rainfall numbers, but also provides you a quick forecast. There's a temperature block that gives you a little bit more uh, data uh, depth than what the Tempest does. So it gives you the actual temperature, it gives you the days, high and low temperatures, uh, and the times that those occurred uh, today. It gives you the feels like temperature uh, and an icon that goes along with that that can be calibrated. It gives you the humidity and dew point. Uh, it also has a wind uh, section that gives you a little bit more depth uh, of, of data than the Tempest uh, application does. Uh, there is a very detailed lightning display that breaks out uh, into a lot more detail. The lightning strikes, it gives you the last three hours, it gives you everything today. It gives you the stri lightning strike frequency, uh, but uh, a 10 minute frequency and a three hour frequency, and it gives you how many strikes have occurred during the last month and the last year. And in my example, it looks like I've had 120,000 Point one, 120,100 uh, nominally lightning strikes this year so far is what it's telling me. Uh, let's see. And then there's the solar index. It also tells you, uh, it kind of gives you a representation of where the sun is, how long it is till sunset, or if it's nighttime, how long it is uh, until sunrise. And then there's a, a breakout of, of the rainfall. And so there's some other uh, screens that you can configure on this particular one uh, for a, a, a more involved um, forecast. And then there's actually, uh, there's a, a solar, the solar page that I just talked about that breaks out the solar parameters, but there's also a moon page that breaks out the phases of the moon if you want to do that. And the lightning uh, panel can actually be replaced with a pressure panel that gives a, a lot more detail on the barometric pressure. So that's Pi console, <clears throat> excuse me. That's Pi Console. Uh, okay, the next one is WeWeather. Uh, WeWeather, uh, the, the program itself is W-E-E-W-X, pronounced WeWeather. 
it's a free open source application that runs on a Raspberry Pi and, and actually other versions of Linux as well. And I, it may, I, I think it runs on a number of platforms. Most folks use it on a Raspberry Pi. Uh, it basically, it captures Tempest data or for that matter, many other weather stations data as they come across your local network, it stores it in a database and then it creates custom web pages via an Apache server at one minute intervals of all of that data. Uh, the web pages have textual data as well as data plots, and I've got some examples here that show data for various time periods. So you can actually configure this page and click right on it, and, and you can see a day's data, a week, a month, a year, et cetera. Uh, also, very interestingly, uh, uh, as an accessible feature, WeWeather produces climate summary pages in the same exact format as NOAA does. So I don't know. I'm sure for, for those of you out there who are weather enthusiasts, you've probably run across the NOAA climatic summary pages. And so you can produce uh, daily, monthly, weekly, yearly uh, climate summaries. And basically what, what this system does is it creates all those pages automatically and then you can access them. And it, it basically is just taking the data that the WeWeather database is pulling off of your network and storing for you and then it, it just reformats it into a different way. So that's what WeWeather does. It's actually pretty involved, but uh, I've, I've got it running and uh, it works very well. I, you know, once I got up and running, I didn't have to mess around with it too much. Um, so that's WeWeather. Uh, here is uh, on my next page, I'll try and describe this as best I can. This is a static web page that's produced. Uh, it produces this, I think it's either every one minute or every five minutes, I can't recall. Uh, but what it basically, uh, it produces this web page whether you want it or not. And so it just sits out there in memory. And then when it produces a new one, it just overwrites over the old one. So as long as you know the address of where the server is dumping this uh, HTML file, you can just call it up. So in my particular case, it, it's listing at the top of the web page my station name, Hampton Legs, Mays, Kansas. It has the date and the time that the data was good for. Down the left panel, it has a bunch of textual data, which basically are all of the uh, all of the parameters uh, that the weather station has: uh, temperature, heat index, wind chill, etc., barrel wind, rain rate, and all of that stuff. It's got a celestial panel that actually gives you phases of the moon and sun and that type of thing, which you know is just part of what they produce. And then there's a uh, down at oops, I'm sorry, I went, I'm trying to scroll. A, a page that's a static page here. I jump to the next page. Uh, at the bottom of the page, it gives you, uh, you can set it up to show today's numbers and then the weekly, the yearly, the monthly, and you can compare them side by side. Um, toward the right side in the center of the display, basically it has time history graphs uh, of each parameter. So in this case, the barometric, the outside temperature and dew point, wind chill, heat index, Humidity, wind speed with the gust speed, wind direction, wind vector, uh, the rain, the UV index, and radiation. So all of those parameters are out there. And uh, in the history, there's a, a sort of a selectable button toward the top of the page where you can select if you want to look at a day's worth of data, a week's, a month, a year. And then over to the right side, upper right side of the web page, there are select drop-down boxes that you can select the monthly reports from. So you can either select a month or a year and then it'll produce those uh, 
tabular data uh, charts uh, that I was talking about earlier. And I've got an example here on the next page of what one of those looks like. So as I said, it can produce a bunch of different ones, but this is sort of their NOAA climate summary format page. And the one that I have here showing, uh, it was a, it basically says at the top of the page, climatological summary for year 2021. So this is the entire year. It gives the station name, the elevation of the station, the latitude, longitude, and then basically it shows in this particular case, I was doing 2021. So you'll see it's got a year, month, and then it's got this particular chart is for temperature. So it goes, it looks at the mean and max temperatures, uh, the, the heating and cooling days, the high, uh, the day and the low per day, and then maxes and mins, and it collates all of that into, you know, every month it has all of that data. And as I said before, you can produce these daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, it produces them all. It's just taking your data that it's stored in that database and chunk it in into a really nice format. The note here though, on this particular one is, we have proven, Joel has helped me to prove that this format can be read by a screen reader. Uh, so we figure that that may be very useful accessibility feature. So that's WeWeather. And then uh, sort of for my final example of deep dive in your weather data, we'll talk about WeWeather plus the Weather 34 dynamic web page. Um, this web page provides dynamic data with the three second wind updates. Uh, and a great number of ways that aggregate to, to aggregate your data and links to other useful weather related information. For instance, uh, you can have this thing plot up uh, the current uh, epicenter of the latest uh, you know, earthquake that happened and there's a bunch of other things that you can customize in here. Uh, all of that to say, there's a lot going on here. I'm gonna do a, a dynamic, uh, show you what this page looks like real time because it's kind of hard to describe without seeing it go. I'll just say this, it's a much more refined and beautiful way to look at the data that the Tempest produces. Don't get me wrong, the Tempest pages and what the app puts out are very nice. They're simple, they're easy to read, the numbers are large, they get the job done, but sometimes you want something with a little bit more glitz and that's what this is. So running WeWeather and having this is a beautiful, and I'll show you what I mean in a second, because you can click on different things and produce almanacs, yearly, monthly, weekly, et cetera, off of this data and a, a number of other things. So these are all different things, and I'm only scratching the surface of, of other things that you could do with this weather station uh, with the external data. Okay, let's talk about accessibility. And I'll come back right at the end and I'll do a quick demo of a couple of these pages to show you what I'm talking about for the people who are cited. I'll try and describe it, but that's basically what they do. Accessibility, so this is important. Uh, the Tempest has direct integrations uh, with some of the most popular third-party services, all, including Weather Underground, IFTTT, uh, Google Home, Amazon Alexa, Siri, and smart things. So I know most of you tech geeks like me have probably run into one or two of those in, in your uh, in your tech world, and uh, this uh, system is in, is integrated with all of them. Uh, you can learn more about third-party integration applications uh, on the. Uh, I've got a link to the forum. It's called the Tempest Weather System Third-Party Applications and Developers Forum. Uh, you could find this probably by doing a Google search. Um, 
I do have it linked in here. So let's see if I mouse over this thing, will it show? So I'm gonna read this out, but it may be a little bit tedious, but for those who can see, uh, it's HTTPS uh, slant, slant, colon slant slant community.weatherflow.com slash uh, Tempest Weather Systems third-party application. Probably easier to look for that address in Google, uh, but you can also find it on the Tempest website as well. Uh, and this is uh, there, if you want to deep dive what can be done with this device, this is the place to go. And I got a massive amount of help on this website uh, by folks uh, both setting up the WeWeather and the Weather32 and the Pi console. Uh, a lot of help, very helpful folks. They're all weather uh, geeks just like me. Um, there are also, maybe more importantly, uh, the, the WeatherFlow has a, a collection of self-service APIs and documentation. Uh, that make it easier for developers, of which I am not one, to build apps and integrations that access data on behalf of the of the Tempest. Uh, they both uh, they use remote access via REST uh, and WebSockets and local access via Bluetooth, low energy, and UDP broadcast. Uh, so, as an example, uh, the uh, I believe WeWeather and Pi Console use the UDP broadcast, which is basically the format that gets used as that uh, Tempest data comes on their proprietary um, proprietary data link, telemetry link over to the hub and the hub puts it out as a UDP broadcast. So anything out there that can sniff for UDP uh, can go ahead and pick up that data and do different things. Um, okay, how to purchase it. Um, if you want to purchase this, you can go to the Weatherflow Shop webpage. Uh, the uh, address is http uh, shop.weatherflow.com. Uh, as I said before, uh, the current price of the unit uh, in October 2022 dollars is 329. I believe you can search for and find out there somewhere. It was a uh, last week anyway was a 10% off uh, coupon, so you could probably knock some some dollars off of that if you're interested in buying one. Um, help and resources. Uh, the Tempest Community Forum uh, is a great, great resource for anything uh, from questions on sensor specs, to third-party integrations, to how to mount and place the Tempest. Uh, there are specific areas on that forum for owners and separate areas for developers. So. Uh, and it's ripe with uh, information. Uh, again, this is where I learned everything I needed. And lots of great info, as I said before, to set up if you're interested in either Pi Console, WeWeather, Weather34, or any of these other integrations. Uh, there are a ton of folks out there to help you get sorted out. Uh, the address of the community for, form is community.weatherflowalloneword.com. And again, that can be found on the Weatherflow website or the Tempest website. Um, Summary, the Tempest, it's a great value proposition. Uh, it gives a lot of uh, features that only professional weather stations have at a small fraction of the price. Uh, Davis Weatherflow, as I said before, something like that, you're probably looking at $1,000 or more. A lot of setup uh, versus a little bit over 300 or maybe a little bit less if you find it on sale. Extremely easy to set up. No moving parts to wear out. The data can be accessed from anywhere with an internet connection via any web browser or either of the Android or iOS apps. Stores its data in the cloud for free. 
allowing a variety of access methods and formats, and maybe most importantly, it's accessible for the visually impaired. Uh, and there's a lot of open source options for further use of the weather data. Uh, so that, okay, so before we get to Mark here, I'm gonna just spend a couple of quick minutes here and show, show you, uh, I'm gonna fly this in here. Okay, so this is, I am now showing my Tempest live feed uh, on, on, on the page. So again, here's all of this stuff that we were talking about. And you can see in the third block down in the wind block, this is the wind block that I'm showing with my, my cursor here. This number right here, every three seconds it's changing, 1.7 miles per hour, 1.6 miles per hour. Uh, it should change again here in a second, hopefully. 1.8, and then this little triangle here is the wind direction, the wind direction isn't changing. Then this number here, 296, you saw that that bar graph just changed just ever so slightly. So this is the one minute average and we're gusting one to two. A demonstration of if I click on any one of these, so I'm gonna click on the temperature and there you go. I have now got the map or the uh, the time history of temperature and you can see I'm showing data from 5.30 p.m. all the way out to now, which is almost uh, between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Oh, it's 8 o'clock now. Boy, I'm really using up the time. Uh, and then if I mouse over these, uh, the, the, the data for each individual data point is changing. And as I said before, I can zoom in on this data like this and, and see it a lot tighter in, or I can zoom out on the data and I can zoom out a couple of times in. Here we go, I've zoomed way out. Now I'm looking at everything from October. Uh, so you can zoom in and out on this data and then you can uh, look at it however you want. Click on the X at the top of the page and then you go back to the, the representation there. Uh, the time history, we're, we talked about this, so I'm just gonna click through them. There's your history. You can select different time slots, day, week, month, year, everything. Uh, so I've selected uh, the history page on mine. I'm showing all time. So my all time low temperature was 14.1 degrees below zero. My maximum temperature 107.8, which was this summer, uh, et cetera. You can see, I think Mark act, asked this a couple of weeks ago, what was the maximum wind? Uh, so my maximum wind mark for you was 76.9 miles per hour. And that was recorded on 5-15, May 15, 2021. Uh, then the map page gives you the map. We kind of talked about all of that. And then the settings gives you the settings, uh, which you can set all of all of the various things. Probably worth also noting that uh, in the application, you can set up notifications for rain and, and various things like that, lightning, and it'll send a notification to your phone. So that's the Tempest, uh, the Tempest weather. And I guess I didn't show, okay, here was the display uh, that we showed before with the, uh, the forecast data, which gives you the current, and then the forecast, and then down below, uh, it has all the blocks with the day by day, which each one, if you click on any day, it blows that up and gives you uh, more detailed data, very similar to what Weather Underground does. So that's that one. Uh, we'll, I'm going to fly that back out of there, and we're going to look at, uh, let's see here. Get rid of that guy. We'll fly in really quick for a quick minute. This is the Weather 34 web page. So this is taking the aggregated data out of the uh, WeWeather 
uh, for the long-term stuff. And you can see in here, the wind uh, direction is changing every three seconds. So this is actually picking up the UDP data and it gives you a little bit more information uh, here for temperature and winds. And, and uh, I'm not gonna go through this just to say it, this aggregates your data, but what I will show you is you can select Almanac. I'm gonna select the Almanac for temperature and it does a pop-up and now it's giving me the temperature details of what was the high temperature today, which was 68.7 at 4.35 p.m. Uh, the dew point max, the dew point minimum, and the times for those today. Uh, it has the temperature yesterday uh, factors. 75.2 uh, was the high yesterday. It occurred at 17.22 uh, hours local time, and the low was 53.6 at uh, 6.17 in the morning. And then we've got uh, some other stuff, uh, temperature min and max for the year, uh, for all time, et cetera. So these are the types of things that you can do. I'm going to show this one really quick because I think it's neat. This is a called a windrose uh, representation, and you can select for wind speed and wind gust. Um, basically, it gives you a compass rose that gives you the statistical analysis of the wind data that it has stored. And I can select one hour, I can select 24 hours. So for instance, if I select 24 hours here, it is telling me that the predominance of wind was out of the west, northwest here. And if I mouse over these values, it tells me actually what percent and what the speed was at that time, et cetera. You can actually set this thing to real time and sit here and watch that, that data rows sit here and update every three seconds as the data is aggregating into it. Uh, there it goes, it's changing a little bit. So pretty, pretty impressive uh, way to display your data. Uh, maybe not so good for the uh, visually uh, disadvantaged, but uh, for those of you who, who like to dive down into the visuals, uh, that's what this does. So that's about all I'm gonna show there. And then I will quickly show you, I'm gonna show you my, where is it? Um, okay. This is a representation of the um, what WeWeather puts out. So this was the, the slide that I had earlier that was the basic web page that you can see. So this is using, using live data right now. It says uh, the date 1013 and uh, uh, the time that this uh, data was recorded. I think this data may be a little bit stale, but uh, all, the, all the charts and graphs are, are all on here. If I select week, uh, you can see down below at the bottom of the right-hand column, you've got today's numbers and then the weekly numbers that you can uh, compare, and then you can select that to month. It'll change to month. And then the graphs are all updating with that data. Uh, the monthly reports, which we looked at earlier, these are the tabular charts uh, that can be read by the screen reader. If I select here uh, the drop-down for month, and I'll select... Uh, Let's do uh, September last month, 22 September. And there it is, it popped up the table, monthly climate, climatological survey for September, 2022. And here's your day by day, times, averages, heating and cooling days, average wind speed, all of that. And it, it produces all of that data. You can do the same thing for a year. If I select a year, it gives you a lot more data. So it gives you a, a temperature chart, a precipitation chart, a wind speed chart. So it breaks everything down 
Uh, and then, as I said, these things can be uh, read by a screen reader. And let's see what else. And then the other thing, I'm going to minimize that and show you Pi Console. This is Pi Console. So again, Pi Console, it just has a bunch of panels that show the data in a different way. This is what you would use, say, if you wanted to purchase a, a dedicated Raspberry Pi display and make yourself a console display. And all this does, it doesn't store anything. It just displays the data that's coming across the UDP. And, and basically, so you can see the wind is updating here every three seconds and, and, uh, and whatnot. So that's it. Uh, that's uh, sort of the the end of my demo, and we're gonna we're gonna move on to Mark. So uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Mark Lemons, uh, WB6BJN, is going to give a little bit of a chat about his uh, setup and his use experience as a new Tempest owner. And Mark, I'm gonna go put my uh, my voice on uh, on mute here, and I'm gonna let you. Uh, uh, give your spiel here. So, Mark, uh, uh, please to uh, introduce Mark Lemons. Margaret, you take it for a, a few minutes here while we let Mark reset. Thank you. Well, for those who have um, iPhones and iDevices, the uh, the Tempest is very easy to install. It's in the it's in the App Store, and uh, once you get your weather station up. You plug in the um, Wi-Fi box, and then you um, in install the the app, and then you just you put everything together, and it sees the 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 hub, and it basically there's very little to it to connect it all together, and all of the data is very user friendly and so that when you tap on something and you and as alan had all the different results when he went into the different histories and he went into the the different different files for the, the different histories for the wind the temperature the pressure um all of that data is all readable by voiceover and it's all subdivided enough with the clicks that you can tell which which um, which data is which, so it doesn't lump itself together and get you confused. You can actually go through it by flicking right and flicking left, and actually uh, parse that data in your in your in your mind as you're hearing that that data. It's also um, very easy to go into the Alexa app. Oops, sorry guys. <laughs> go into the A device app and um, have it uh, connect and give you a full report, which I can do right now. Alexa, ask Weatherflow for a report. Here is your report for Marg underscore Dartmouth. It is 63 degrees Fahrenheit with a relative humidity of 100%. The pressure is 29.92 inches of mercury and steady. 
The winds are north-northeast at two miles per hour and gusting up to four miles per hour. Currently, there is moderate rain rain. So far today, it has rained 1.12 inches. The last lightning strike detected was eight days ago in 21 to 24 miles away. Expect rain today with a high of 67 degrees and a low of 54 degrees. Okay. All right, so that's what you get from that's um that's what you get from the a device you can also hook it to siri and i actually have it displayed on my watch so all of the data you heard on the weather on the a device is on my watch as well yeah it's probably not coming out very well but and it's probably fast but so we'll see if Mark is with us. It looks like Mark is back, but he is not unmuted at the present time. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? What else uh, can I? That was muted. You can, you can also ask it questions about um, how much rain have I had yesterday. You can ask it. Um, uh, you can ask the A device um, what the temperature is. You can ask it what any of the the variables are, and it it'll the A device will come right back and give you that information. Um, I'm not sure about highs and lows, but it probably does that too. Let's see what else. The most it's the app is just tremendously accessible. And I don't know whether they went to great extremes to do this or whether it just happened that way, but everything is parsed so well that you don't have any trouble understanding what the values are. Let me see if I can do this, hang on. I should be able to do this since I'm using my A device. One notification, WPRI weather, one hour ago. W one Open Tempest. Tempest. Credit card. Love weather. Raw metal. I don't know what I don't know what that was. I have my image descriptions on, so I can flick across. Mark underscore dark. That's my Mark underscore dark, but that's the name of my weather station. Nice high. Raw metal. Spotlight. Tempest number. Sixty-three degrees. Feels like sixty-three degrees. And all I'm doing is flicking right, flicking right. Heavy rain. Heavy rain. 100% humidity. 29.92 in HG. None. No, I don't. I don't know what the none is. Um, Mark knows these. Has these memorized. W two miles per hour. I know that's the wind. Zero up. One dot fourteen in today. That's my rain. One point one four inches. Down arrow fifty two degrees. Up arrow sixty six degrees today. Rain likely. Six fifty three a.m. Six oh five p.m. Ten p.m. Sixty four degrees. Eighteen. Eleven p.m. Sixty four degrees. Eighteen. Twelve a.m. Sixty five degrees. Eighteen. One a.m. Sixty five degrees. Eighteen. Two a.m. Sixty four degrees. Eighteen. Three a.m. Sixty four degrees. Twenty. Four a.m. Sixty four degrees. Twenty. Five a.m. Sixty four degrees. Twenty. Six a.m. Sixty four degrees. Twenty two. Seven a.m. Sixty four degrees. Eighteen. And what were the eighteens and twenties? Uh, 
you know, I remember I asked Mark that question and I remember we figured it out, but I cannot remember what it was. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Data overload. It was maybe Alan to tell us. Uh let me look at my Tempest page here. I mm -hmm. think it's probably wind direction or probability of precipitation because all you're basically reading off of off of that uh, sort of forecast right. thing. So let's see. Let me back up. Let me back up this presentation to that page. Breeze. 66 degrees today. Rain likely. 6:53 a.m. 6:05 p.m. 10 p.m. 64 degrees. 18. 11 p.m. 64 degrees. 18. 12 a.m. 65 degrees. 18. 1 a.m. 65 degrees. 18. 2 a.m. 64 degrees. 18. It had to do with something of a picture. 64 degrees. Because somebody saw it. Whether it was was it Beth Ann that saw it? No. 64 degrees. 18. Was it? No. It was um. Johnny's wife looked at it and told us what it was. Yeah, so I've got the the I'm showing the display that you're I think that you've got the reader reading here. And so it has the time, it has an, an icon that is the weather icon. It's got the temperature, it's got the probability of precipitation, and it has oh, the wind direction. It. I that's think that's it. what it's reading those things down. So I for, for the sighted people that can see the display I have up right now. I think that's what it's doing, Margaret. And then it also in there, it also is giving you, but you have to catch it, the sunrise and sunset. And is in yeah, there as that, well. yep, it's up at the up at the top here. Uh, right, I'm showing it with my cursor for those who can see here's the sunrise and then here's the sunset. And then you must have the display where your first day is expanded with all of those numbers and then it was reading the rain possible it it was reading the short forecast on the lines below that like she's using her phone uh, yes Alan. i'm using my yeah phone. yeah so that's 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 what that's exactly what you heard there and then we've got uh down arrow 54 degrees up arrow 67 degrees friday 14 rain likely down arrow 48 degrees up arrow 66 degrees set 15 clear down arrow 54 degrees, up arrow 66 degrees, sun 16, rain possible. Down arrow 48 degrees, up arrow 61 degrees, sun 17, rain likely. Down arrow 46 degrees, up arrow 57 degrees, Tuesday 18, rain likely. Down arrow 43 degrees, up arrow 55 degrees, with 19, rain possible. Down arrow 41 degrees, up arrow 55 degrees, Thursday 20, clear. Down arrow 46 degrees, up arrow 59 degrees, Friday 21, rain possible. I mean, we're already a week out. Down arrow 50 degrees, yeah. arrow 61 degrees, Saturday 22, rain possible. 003. Unlocked. Unpronounceable. Medium black circle. Tab bar. Selected. Weather. Tab. One of the history. Okay, tab. Three. Three of three. Uh, what's what? What, what was the zero zero three? I wonder. History. Selected. Weather. Tab. Oh. On the history page. Zero zero three. Yeah, that uh, one. Actually, that's as much as I've done with it. But the nice thing is that you can get it anywhere and, and you can you can through Siri you can also access it as well. Oh yeah, there's there's a variety of uh, different it, ways. But the nice thing is if you have an Apple Watch, it's one of the apps that the Apple Watch saw and yeah. all of a sudden every all the data just appears on my watch. Well, and they recently this year created widgets. Uh so I, I'm pretty sure Apple's got something like that, but uh, Android has widgets now as well. So there's some other 
other things that they've done recently. I'm, I've got to say that, uh, you know, they really have done a good job of, of continuing to develop the application and uh, some of the capabilities. So I've been impressed with that. You know, so many things that uh, when you're an early adopter, you don't really know what you're buying into, but I've been very pleasantly surprised at, uh, at the value uh, for it. Now, what was your experience, Margaret, in setting it up? How long would you say it took you to set the device up? It probably took me probably about 10 minutes. Um, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't mounted, but, you know, I put the, put the weather station mm -hmm. out on my porch and I put the uh, hub right on my uh, end table. And I downloaded the app and hooked it all up, and it looked. You look. You go. Go look for the Y the Wi-Fi, and you see it. And it just you connect it, and it just works. I'm happy to report that uh, all the information that uh, Alan discussed is accessible by the app. Now, my experience with uh, putting the Putting everything on the uh, app, in other words, getting it uh, set up was very, very easy. Uh, it pretty much walks you all the way through all the setup process. And uh, also with your smart speakers, you can uh, access the weather flow. I'm going to demonstrate that also with uh, Alexa. Alexa. Get weather from Weatherflow. Here is a report for Wind. It is 52 degrees Fahrenheit with a relative humidity of 59%. The pressure is 29.873 inches of mercury and steady. Yesterday it rained 0.47 inches. The last lightning strike detected was a day ago in 24 to 26 miles away. Expect clear skies today with a high of 75 degrees and a low of 41 degrees. So there you go. So that's from Alexa. And, don't and say that again. <laughs> that, yeah, don't say that. Uh, from, yeah, I won't say that again. But um, so that's the situation there. And then on the app, uh, can do it just a Yesterday, 105 minutes. 105 minutes. That's one of the things that, that Alan talked about with the duration of rain. And on the wind speed, now there is a little confusion on the wind speed when it talks about the gusting. Uh, sometimes it'll say gusting two, three. And when I first heard that, uh, I thought it was gusting to 23 miles an hour. And then I figured out, because it doesn't show a, a hyphen in there on the wind, uh, it it means that the wind is gusting two to three miles per hour uh, and sometimes it'll it'll say that on the app and then I, how I figured it out was when we when the winds got up a little higher it said four gusting to 15 you know, it has said four to 15 and so it broke it down uh, more right for that but all of the all of the history information it works with the app as well Station pressure, 38.1 degrees Fahrenheit. 38.1, and 
that's one thing that a lot of people said with uh, Alexa that the app did not give uh, the dew point. That's because that's where you go to get your information is off your app or on your computer. So um, that's the, the really neat thing about using oh, the phone. I don't know that. And so um, I use this every day. Now, the wind speed, the haptic rain gauge, I have found is it is a really works well and the and the wind speed indicator also with direction uh, seems to be probably one of the most accurate that I have seen as far as measuring my wind speed it will actually measure wind in fractions of miles per hour and those are things I really enjoy about um, the, uh, the 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 uh, wind speed indicator with no uh, moving parts. And that's uh, pretty much what I can tell you about the app. Everything is very accessible and I highly recommend it for sightless users. Mark, can you comment a little bit more about your, your experience setting up the device? My, in, in setting up the device was very easy. In fact, it walked me through uh, as I swiped through the app, setting up the the uh, weather station was very easy. Um, it told you when to go next to set up the the Wi-Fi, and um, also mounting it was fairly easy as well. When I first mounted the weather station, it was on a tripod, a camera tripod. And you, it was very easy to mount and set up on um, my back rail. And then we took it, and I now have it on a dish, one of those dish network poles just above my uh, um, deck. And uh, I did I did not mount that myself. I had somebody get up on a ladder, but still, it it took uh, probably about only five to ten minutes to get that set up and uh, it worked very well on the rail and um, setting up the information on the app to get the to get the app working um, was very easy it took about 10 to 15 minutes and it was all straightforward mark how is the sensor powered the sensor is powered uh, by the battery that's in the that's in the, in the sensor, and they tell you to make sure that your when you put your weather station up that that is facing uh, north, so that your sensor the uh, the solar panel gets plenty of sun and it it continues to uh, operate. Um, and then the, the hub was very easy to set up as well. And uh, it's really, it really works very well. Like, like uh, Alan was saying, that battery powers that weather station very well. But, so that's, that's what I can tell you about the weather station, that it, it is probably one of the, in my estimation for, for blind users is probably one of the easiest to set up. Uh, 
it, other stations like the Davis, uh, I have a Davis that I, and there was so much wire to have to string to put it back up because mine was one of the older uh, Davises that that's what prompted me to get the, the Tempest weather station because of, of its ease of setup and its ease of setting up um, on the app as well. I believe so that's you got, Mark, I believe you got yours at Amazon and uh, not from the Tempest Weather uh, site, did you? Yeah, you, you, can, buy them, you can buy them on, on Amazon, and they uh, uh, were, it was very easy to get. In fact, uh, I got mine uh, in August, and it was there in two days. It showed up at my on my doorstep. Mark, and, you just went. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, you just went by something and it said state good. You okay. Know what that was? Yes, that is that's the the batter the battery voltage uh, tells you the. If you go down. Ah, okay. So if you go. Let me go back over here to where the. That's a dew point. Oh, that's the other thing I want to talk about too is the brightness. But the battery voltage, it was saying that it was it was 2.73 volts, and it said that was good, and it said state good. Then that we meant. The status of it was good, and the interesting thing about uh, they have a thing on there that's connected with the uh, the same sensor that does uh, the UV and also uh, the uh, information, and it's the brightness. And when there's a full moon at night, it will actually indicate that by its brightness. It'll show two lux. Um, and one of the neat things is you can actually tell when it's cloudy or getting cloudy during the day because those numbers will drop. So by listening for those numbers and hearing them change very rapidly, you can actually tell when clouds come in front of the sun. So that actually works kind of neat for, for sightless users as well. So that, that's, uh, that's one of the other very interesting things about the uh, Tempest weather station. Anybody have any questions for Alan or Mark? To, uh, Mark, did you put the bird deterrent on yours? I haven't. I, you know what? I, I, I didn't find out about that until last night, and uh, we were talking about that. And uh, I, I don't think I've had any problem with any birds on, uh, on my weather station. Well, you'll know if it rains on a sunny day. That's right. That's right. Uh, in, in fact, That's right. In fact, the uh, the day that I put the weather station up, we were getting it ready to put out on the pole. And before I got it outside, it had five hundredths of an inch um, of rain that it has showed. That showed 0 .05. And that's because we evidently had the switch on before we put it on on the uh, pole, and so by moving it, it measured rain, and I knew it hadn't rained at all. But I, <laughs> that's wild. But 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 the uh, 
but actually it was corrected later on uh, by the uh, rain cast where they go in and check that against other rain gauges in the area. So it it went away, but uh, very it was very interesting. Um, Joel and Johnny have a bird deterrent. It's called a 410 shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 works. That works. But uh, um, I do like the uh, Tempest because it gives me more information, and it gives a the app is a really good uh, feature if you're out, you know, traveling or you you want to you know check on what your weather is going to be. The app is a, a great uh, source for checking checking your weather. So. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank oh. you, Alan, for uh, for demoing it and talking about the Tempest Weather Station. We sure appreciate it. Well, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot more of them so in the next few weeks. I've got a I, question for Mark. Yeah. When you have the voltage on there and the battery state was good, what tab are you looking at? Because I don't find that on my on so my. I, th display. I think I can answer that for you, Mark. Yeah. So in order to get the battery card on there, you have to go in the app, you need to go into settings, you need to select your station, and then down near the bottom of that, you know, so we're diving in a couple of menus deep, there is a section called advanced, yeah. and you have to activate the battery card. Oh. It is not, I, I think I mentioned this briefly, but it is not default. And it's worth having on there. Yeah, it is because I had to go in there and do that same thing. I could not find it. So and... again, to get there, you go in 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 your app. You've got you have to do this in the app. It it is not available like from the web page, even though you have yeah. settings in the web page. Got to be in the app. Select settings, stations, then select your station. They'll they'll be because. It's actually, you can set it up for multiple stations. You probably only have one. Select your station. And mm -hmm. then down towards the, the third from the bottom item on that page is called advanced. And there's only one thing in there. It's this, I think it says display. Mine says hide battery card because it's displayed. But that's where you have to turn it on. And once it's on, you'll be able to see it. Okay, and it'll be the you. last card. Got it. Yep. Yep. Thank you. And yeah, you can turn that on. Yeah, it's because I, I had I had the same trouble finding that, and it was explained to me the same way. And once I found it, it worked good. Uh, I believe, and I had a Davis weather station that used the uh, the cups, and I've gotten higher wind uh, readings with the uh, with the Tempest weather station. Uh, than I have with the Davis. I had one day that my wind speed got up to 35 miles an hour, and I never could get my Davis to do a, a wind speed that high. And it was up higher than than my uh, Tempest. So that's a great working uh, wind indi indicator the on there. Uh, the ultrasonic, ultrasonic wind sensor. Yeah. It, the other thing about the cups is, you know, there's no perfect weather sensor. No. By the way, I mean, they all have their good points and their bad points. But uh, one of the things that I have seen a number of times on the old style ones with the cups is that those cups can freeze. And when they freeze, you're going to have no wind indication whatsoever. 
doesn't mean that you can't have problems with the ultrasonic one either, by the way. If you get a bunch of snow in there and the snow freezes up, then that won't work. Yep. But there is no perfect rain gauge. There's no perfect wind sensor. They nope. all have their good points and they all have their faults. That's why, you know, when it comes down to things like accuracy, accuracy is kind of a uh, an interesting thing because given the microclimates that we have and the different things that go on, um, that actually may be accurate, even though it seems like it might be, um, uh, you know, far away. The only way you're really going to tell whether your rain gauge is working properly is to get uh, one of those rain gauges and put it beside it with the, uh, you know, and and see if see if it compares to your your. Uh, but even if you do that, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be. You can perfect. take you can take five cocoa raws, you know, rain gauges, and you can stick them right next to each other, and they'll still all read differently. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the nature of the beach. Sometimes you got to get out there and use what we like to call in the flying business your Mark One eyeball. Yep. <laughs> Go outside, open your eyes, take a look. Yep. Yep. And I've compared mine with with the local National Weather Service here, and I think it's it's close enough, and it works. It works good. Very happy with the tempest, and especially uh, in how it's accessible for use by the blind and visually impaired. Because um, to me, it uh, it almost is like like when I when I went into that app to set it up, it's like man, they created this thing and made it accessible for the blind like they knew what they were doing to do that you know because when you whenever you you know try something for the first time that's the first thing you think of oh is it going to work with this is it going to work with my phone or is it going to work with my computer and and this did right off the bat well it does and it's great it's a great piece of equipment and it is for an amateur Remember, we're all amateurs. We're not professional weather meteorologists. So, it, it, and that's what we're paying. We're paying a, a lower entry level to get into a piece of uh, gear that actually has so many data points that yep. you just can't buy a professional piece of equipment that'll do that. You can, yep. We can't afford it. We we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, the the one thing the one thing that I'd like to I hope one day could happen is that. Uh, and somebody brought this up to me, and I it would that would be a neat thing, and it might be something that I might talk to somebody about. Is when we get lightning, is there a way that they can make it to where um, it can tell you from what what direction that lightning is coming from? And um, the answer to that is probably no because is, in order to do that you need to be able to triangulate the lightning the lightning and so so yeah so you would need to have multiple stations and they would probably have to be far enough apart from each other to get a good i mean basically you're just doing the you're you're it's like a df fix yeah it's the same yeah. thing you're <laughs> yeah. just timing it so you have to have a super accurate clock 
you have to have multiple uh, receivers, mm -hmm. and then you have to have uh, a means to uh, transmit all of the data that is timestamp encoded with a highly accurate clock yeah. uh, that has to be synchronized on all of the stations. See, this is where you start getting into the dollars. Low latency also. <laughs> yeah. Well, the latency isn't as big of a deal it, because you time can- Timestamp, yeah. You, the timestamp's the most important thing. You you can, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be completely real time, I guess is what I'm getting at. But the synchronization between the devices has yeah. to be very exacting. And that's where you can kind of get into the dollars, right? The, the receivers that they make for this stuff, they're not very expensive. But you need enough of them. They need to be far enough apart so that you can get a good triangulation. Of that, this is kind yeah. of why I was saying the other day, you just go to lightning.com and, and they have all of that stuff out there. But uh, that's been asked, actually, Mark, in the uh, in the forum quite a bit. Mm -hmm. People wanted to know. Yeah, yeah. And and it could be, it. They, they said, well, you know, we could do it. They're like, well, what if we just like we, you know, the lightning sensor data that you're seeing on the app is not necessarily the lightning that is coming from your sensor itself. Uh, yeah. It's being aggregated by everything in your area. And if they didn't do that, you would find that there would be a lot of false positives and your, your data would not be that good. But people have said, well, yeah, there's a ton of these stations and they're all around us. Why can't we just take that data and aggregate it together? And the answer to that is because we need, would need a clock signal on each one of those devices. And that, uh, that would yeah. probably could double the price of the device, right? Are you going to pay another couple hundred dollars just for the clock to, you know, and then now you're getting into a $500, $600 device. And device, yeah. It could yeah. be done, yeah. but, you know, but it's that's been talked about quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, because we, we, were, we were talking about that the other day because we could, uh, well, I was talking to somebody about that. That way you could really tell from which direction the storm was actually coming from, you know, yeah. You know. But you can look at the, and we were talking about this, right? You can you can look at the data, uh, you know, you can expand that data from the, yeah. from the lightning sensor. And I was trying to explain the other day, mm -hmm. I can sit there and watch the pattern move in a V as the, as the, if the storm is approaching me, yeah. that, that distance gets less and less and less. And you can look at the data plot and you can see, and it makes the point of a V and you can tell when the storm is right overhead. And then when it starts to move away, you can go back into the historical data and you can, you can see it very clearly. Yeah. But it's nice when you're listening to the app, you can hear they're getting closer, they're getting closer. They've put some smarts in the notification, the lightning notification. Now, when I first had my unit, it used to annoy the heck out of people, right? Because it would just go off and it would be like 15 miles and you get a notification, bing, and your phone goes bing. And then it's like further out, it's 20 miles, bing, you got another. And they're like, well, why can't we put some smarts in the algorithm here yeah. and we'll only give the notification if the once we get the initial one, if the distance is decreasing. And that was an enhancement that they added to the application. Oh. And, that, so, and that's what happened to mine yesterday when, when we got storms. That, right, same, right. that same thing happened. So it'll yeah. keep going and it'll keep going. And then I, I think there's also a time like there's like a 20 or 30 minute timer in there. And you may be able to, uh, they were talking about making it user settable. I don't think it is. But yeah. so 
if you have lightning and you get say say it's 10 miles away and you get bing 10 miles away and then the storm isn't moving and you get another one 10 miles away you'll get it on the app the little light will light up and it'll say it but it won't give you the notification yeah it'll sit out there if the as long as the distance is not becoming less if it goes greater or equal to whatever the first one was you won't get another notification for some period of time, and it may be like 10 or 20 minutes, right? Eventually, yeah. they'll tell you again, yeah, there's some more lightning because they don't want you to wait forever. Yeah. But if it's, go if it's not getting closer or if it's moving away from you, it will, uh, it will mute the notification. The data will still be in the app, but you just won't get the bing. You don't get the, yeah. And it yeah. was really annoying in the beginning, I know, before they fixed that. Because it was like, oh, my God, I'm turning it off. You know, when we're in summer season around here in Wichita, we're in Tornado Alley. And it, when we have lightning, we have lightning. I think I was telling you guys, one time we had 13,000 strikes in the three-hour period or whatever yeah. it was with a massive, massive thunderstorm. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhands.com.